you're not supposed to talk about it. We've all been in dire situations, okay? Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. What do you want, my life? What would you do with it? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Cut the chit-chat. Let's just do it. The gore lover, Alexis. Boring gets me hot. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. This is totally unnecessary, ugly, and gets in the way. And the scream queen, Paris. Great physical beauty can be a handicap, too. Last week, we watched the third entry in a franchise known for its meta approach to the horror genre. This week, though, we're looking back at the first film to ever parody slashers. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. We recently went back to theaters to finally watch the long-awaited Quiet Place 2. Honestly, we really enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to that episode, circle back, check it out. It's a good one. But we also wanted to hear what our listeners thought. So the poll results are in, and 25% of people actually hacked the sequel to this movie. 75% gave it a slash, don't get me wrong, but that's a lot higher of a hack ratio than I was expecting. Honestly, I thought it was going to be 13% tops. So I'm actually not surprised because in talking to people in regular life, not in podcast life, I found that most people are kind of just like, eh, about it. So I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I've only talked to maybe two other people about it. One of them was my wife that went with me to watch it and loved it. And the other one was a coworker who thought it was great. So in my world, this should be a universal slash for everyone. Yeah, I have very similar experiences too. Everyone's been like, oh, I love this so much. Well, we have some comments from our listeners who also seem to have enjoyed the movie. Harold said, Hey guys, I've been listening for a while and just recently became a patron member, and I wanted to give you guys a little something back. Your episodes always give me something to look forward to. Just wanted to say, I went to the theater for this movie and the experience was amazing. I actually think I enjoyed this part two more. Personally, I loved so much about this movie and it felt like it was a great follow-up to the first film. It's an absolute slash for me. Keep up the good work, guys. Can't wait to hear what's next. I'm so surprised to hear... Harold say that they preferred this to the first while like I can I can see where you could feel that way I just the first one was just so good that's okay Harold welcome to the family and you're coming with great taste already I think I I like one and two fairly equally but nevertheless solid film all around so you're, you're starting off on the right foot absolutely Harold can't wait to hear more from you We have another comment from Alex who said, Hey, Hacker Slash fam. I just watched A Quiet Place 2 and was blown away. I loved this movie. I was on the edge of my seat for most of the film. The opening scene alone gets this movie a slash because it was so well shot and because it gave just enough insight into life before the aliens arrived. Furthermore, I really enjoyed Regan's arc in this movie. With her father gone, it all falls on her to lead the family, and lead she does. I could go on forever about how great the directing and acting was in this movie, but I will end with this. This movie is a slash. The tension was so intense, I was frustrated and started screaming at my TV. Love, love, loved it. P.S. Paris, I have watched a movie at a bar. I used to frequent a bar with friends called Disgraceland, and they always had a movie playing on a small screen behind the bar. I remember one night, they showed Serenity. I sat there and watched the whole movie. I love this podcast, and I love everyone on the Hacker Slash team. And we love you. Yes, we love you too, Alex. I'm very interested that you did watch this movie on a TV, though, because I feel like the best experience you're going to get is in the movie theater. But it did come out on Paramount, and I was very tempted to rewatch this because I feel like I give it more of a slash, but I need some time away from it. I just want to check out what Disgraceland is all about because I'm a really big Elvis Presley fan, so I hope it's similar to Graceland. Finally, we have another comment from Brittany. Brittany said, I watched this movie at home and definitely wish I saw it in theaters, but ours just opened on the 16th, so I gave in to streaming it. I will give it a slash, but I have to say I was expecting more. I love Cillian Murphy, and I did enjoy his role in the film. I was so tense for parts of this film that I actually had to shut it off because I was so uncomfortable. As much as that baby is such an obvious liability, I can't handle baby danger in movies. It's too much to take. I felt like it ended abruptly, but still a good watch. Good episode, everyone. And this comment is exactly, the, you know, I, I get down with this. I was expecting more. That's how I felt as well. And that's our follow-up. Well, in less dramatic times, the golden age of slashers kicked off in 1978 with John Carpenter's Halloween and continued on with more than 100 similar films releasing after it until 1984. While studios continued to churn out films in efforts to capitalize on slasher popularity, Ronald Reagan's ushering of American conservatism began raising concerns of how violent films had become. 
while 1981 saw the likes of two franchise titans getting sequels and an Academy Award-winning werewolf film debut, the subgenre quickly reached its saturation point. 1981 proved to be the year when two heavily marketed slashers ended up bombing at the box office, and the first instance of a slasher parody emerged. Amid a Writers Guild of America strike, Mickey Rose wrote and directed a film which parodies several iconic slashers that rose to fame in the mid-70s to early 80s. This film follows a heavy-breathing serial killer stalking teens at a local high school and the students' and faculty's attempts to solve the mystery of the killer's identity. This week, we're talking about what came before Wes Craven's 1996 Scream and the Waynes Brothers' scary movie. This week, we're talking about student bodies. Who's seen this one before? I've heard about the existence of this movie for a while, but I had never watched it until this viewing. Yeah, I had not heard about this movie at all till Chris and I were talking about the lineup, and I said, oh, look, Student Bodies is coming up on its 40th anniversary. Never heard of it. And she said, it's a cult classic. So I was like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do something I've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, I think I've obviously never seen or heard of this movie. And part of that is because the title means nothing to anyone and stands out 0%. So... Even after having seen this, I still think if you say, have you ever seen Student Bodies? I'll probably be like, no, I've never seen that. <laughs> Just like me with every Evil Dead adjacent movie. Everything with the name Dead in it. Exactly. Exactly the same. Well, just like you, Ryan, I also have not seen this movie before. I also haven't heard of this movie until I saw it on our lineup and I said, Student Bodies. That seems promising. Just on the title alone. Because you know I love some high school bullshit. Are we all a fresh watch tonight? No, I have seen this movie before, and I'm really surprised that you're saying no one has heard of this, because I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've mentioned it being like a really early example of like meta horror and parody, but I watched this for the first time several years ago. I think before I ever even left home in 2008, I caught it randomly on TV, and the thing for me that always stood out is there's a character in this film who's in JROTC, and I was in JROTC in high school. And, oh boy, I thought it was hilarious how overboard they were with their uh, obsession with that organization and just, like, it being a part of their identity. So the movie has always stood out to me for that. And, of course, one of the most iconic parts about it is it's, it's opening. I was really curious to see how I'd feel with more than a decade of distance from this movie, especially because this type of humor, I think you can really enjoy on a first watch, but could you still enjoy it again and again and again? Hmm, who's to say? What were you folks expecting? Man, you know, I looked at this and it said horror comedy and I said, oh no, that sounds terrible. But I really, really tried to go into this with a positive mindset, knowing that it's going to be like chaos comedy horror, you know? And I'm so glad I did because if I hadn't, I would have been completely in the wrong state of mind for a movie like this. So I went in just expecting tomfoolery. Despite all the context clues that I've had about what this movie could be about, I fell short and did not pick up on any of those and went into it kind of blind. So I was just kind of expecting a, you know, very similar slasher of the time just set in a school of some sort. Oh, no. Some Something basic. Definitely not comedy. I was not expecting the comedy. I hope things went okay once you realized. <laughs> I quickly did. <laughs> Very quickly from the opening scene. Yeah, I also did not expect there to be a comedic element. For some reason, I was expecting like very the faculty vibes, but like in the 80s. And then when I was streaming this on Tubi, I saw like one image, which I guess was like the poster or the promotional art. And it was like a cheerleader with like the little cone stuffed in her mouth on a desk. And I was like, is this campy? And then within the first five seconds, I was like, this is campy. It's like when you see that image, it's either this is campy or this is horrible. One or the other. Or both. I was gonna, about to hit play. And my wife was like, okay, what is this movie we're about to watch? What is this about? So I hit the play on the trailer instead and basically watched the whole movie. So going into it, I expected a bunch of horror tropes and slapstick humor. But how did those expectations translate into how you felt when you're experiencing the wonder that is student bodies? So most of the time, I think while watching this, I honestly was just sitting there processing all the one-liners and laughing at all of the stupid comedy. That was kind of my whole experience. Yeah, I kind of went into this movie, putting it on, doing something for work. Seemed like it would be that shallow. I could maybe multitask on the two, but I figured out in the first scene when it said Halloween, then it said Friday the 13th, and then it said Jamie Lee Curtis's birthday. Yes, exactly. On top of that, I was like, this is a movie I have to actually pay attention to. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love this. So I need to set some time aside. And I was, I was happy that I did because. I loved it. It felt like I was just watching a bunch of mini sketches that cohesively like meshed together. 
You know, that's a great way to put it because this did almost feel like had like mini series energy for me. Obviously, it was a movie. There's some other things to say about, you know, maybe I would have preferred it as a miniseries, but nonetheless, it's exactly what Max said, where you just spend all of the time of this movie trying to catch the things flying by your head that are hilarious. And you're like, wait a minute, I just got the last thing. And there's another one coming at you. And it's it's quite fun. I found myself giggling, which is not something I do with movies very often and definitely not comedy horror. I, too, found myself laughing a lot more than I was expecting. Really, I was feeling like I was watching one of those, like, Leslie Nielsen comedies, like Airplane or, like, The Naked Gun, like, very that. And I wasn't mad about it. I was actually surprised by how it felt like it was still funny after all these years. Because usually comedy isn't quite as timeless, at least not as often. Yeah, for sure, Paris. I think that was one of the burning questions, like, Seeing this as a teenager, thinking it was hilarious, but also it was very, like, at, at the early, at the latest, I can think, like, 2008. So, things are very different from the way they are now. So, then I was thinking, okay, watching this now, 31, it's 2021, this movie's 40 years old. What is this going to feel like? And I found myself still laughing so much, despite knowing what jokes were coming. But even more than that, though... Finding myself still really surprised on how many things I didn't pick up on or how many things I was so ignorant to at that young age, right? There's a character in here who refers to himself as a busing student, and that totally flew over my head, (laughs) right? But I think now when you watch this movie in 2021, you're more knowledgeable about things like that. I found myself like still really digging through so many elements of this movie and trying to unpack, like, why do I even think this is funny? I'm not someone who laughs at fart jokes. There's a lot of fart jokes in this movie, and I still thought they were funny. See, to me, that was the disappointment, but also the surprise. The comedy, to me, was very clever in a lot of instances, but the potty humor... You get a few farts out of me. You don't get a lot. I don't know that it just felt like it was a little bit some of the jokes were dated and I one either they flew over my head or I just did not think they were funny because they were targeting a certain group yeah it's hard because I feel like there's a few different angles of comedy that you get in this movie there's some that I really like because they feel like what I do when I'm commentating a movie that I think is stupid Chris I feel like you've been next to me when we're watching something before and I'm like Oh yeah, just keep the camera on the on the lock. Well, we we know exactly what's going on. You don't have to keep showing us the lock. We can see the lock. We understand the point of the lock. We've been on the screen for 10 seconds now. We get it. Mm-hmm. And so this movie, I felt like in some ways had a lot of what I would say about a horror movie if I'm making fun of it. But then there's the other side which is like potty humor. And then there's the other side that's like some deep cuts that I'm like, "Oh, I missed that joke." And I know there's probably a hundred things in this movie that I didn't get. And that's part of, I don't know, part of like its thing. Yeah. See, and and that's kind of what I was getting at, right? When I was talking earlier about the things that surprised me, there are so many things that are baked into what this film. And I, I thought it was solely about how do we make fun of horror movies? How do we make fun of slashers? But really it's how do we make fun of America and the way our society is also moving, right? There's so much baked into this that talks about like uh, homophobia, uh, talking about like inherent racism. It's it's a lot of that that I didn't pick up on that in some ways there are some moments where I'm like, I can't tell that they're actually making a statement on this. It feels like just the culture and that's a little bit disappointing. That's very interesting, Chris, because I was surprised that this movie wasn't more racist or homophobic. Same. For the time. It could have been more. It could have been more for sure. Yeah. I feel like the way they handled it was decent for the time. Honestly, this movie could almost work in 2021. And that's very, very rare for like a comedy from the 80s. You know, most things from the 80s or anything 20 years ago. 10 years ago, they usually don't work now. This movie could almost work. It's like some stuff. I mean, you know, people will be pissed off about everything, but it could get through, I feel like, in these days. Yeah, I think just a few small tweaks and we can definitely remake this for sure. But like you, Alexis, I too was very disappointed by the toilet humor. That's really where you lose me every time. I can admit, though, one fart joke did make me laugh. So see some of it was effective to be fair when it comes to fart jokes usually one is a success like if they get you to laugh at one they've done their job that's the point of them they just keep going hoping you'll laugh at one i think the thing that surprised me most was also the comedy in this movie and i think it's the speed it reminds me of gilmore girls because i actually really hate that show but 
their comedy, like it's just like line after line after line, just incredibly speedily delivered. And for the Gilmore Girls, it doesn't work in my brain. But watching this, I was not prepared for it because it's like one liner after one liner after one liner. Like they're replying to one liners with one liners. And I was not ready for that to happen and was not expecting that. They actually had some pretty decent jokes and not like really good jokes. It's all stupid comedy, but they had some like really clever little quips that they would throw back and forth that actually made you laugh. And if they have really good ones that make you laugh and they keep doing them, that like generates a lot of laughter, which was surprising because again, it's 1981 humor. I mean, humor from the past doesn't really work like you've mentioned, but for some reason, it's just like a grandpa telling you dirty jokes that you weren't expecting (laughs) to be told and it just delivers. I completely agree because this is a movie that I watched and laughed out loud. Like I really LOL'd and comparing it to a movie like Tucker and Dale versus evil. I thought it was funny. I don't think I laughed out loud, which is very different. Totally, totally agree. I don't think I've laughed out loud one at a movie in so long, but two at a freaking horror comedy. Like they're just not funny. Even when Tucker and Dale versus evil is funny, it's not funny. This movie is funny to me. And I respect that it maybe would not be to everybody. Absolutely agreed. And obviously, this isn't a movie that's trying to be scary. But I do appreciate how funny it is. And this is something that I think it's really interesting looking at even the five of us here, right? I'm not someone who really likes comedies in general. If I watch a comedy, it's going to be like that Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, some of the comedy in Cabin in the Woods. And then when I look at like shows, I watch What We Do in the Shadows or like comedies that are condensed and really short. But this feels like it has a pretty broad appeal in terms of there might be a little something in here for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, I think you're right. It's difficult. Normally, we're talking about movies being scary. This movie is not scary at all. But instead of giving a horror rating, I'll give it a a funny rating. For me, this is like an eight. Like, it's good. And I don't, I also don't like comedies. Like, I'm not, you know, don't ever put Pineapple Express or some ridiculous movie from that time period on around me or I will turn it into a horror movie. Eight out of a scale of 10? Eight out of a scale of 10. Wow. For like general funny. Maybe seven and a half. So close enough. We'll round up. Obviously not scary, but I do appreciate the fact that it didn't try to be that way because even though Scream came after this movie, I feel like Scream did something completely different and that would not work with this amount of comedy. This is like almost more scary movie adjacent than Scream adjacent. It reminds me a lot of the humor that was successful in like the 2000s and early 20-teens where... You know, we had shows like The Big Bang Theory. We had laugh tracks still on some shows that when you watch them, you know they're stupid. But in in the moment, you're just like, hey, this is mindless entertainment. I'm down for this. Throw some silly things at me. I'm okay with it. These days, we don't really like that kind of comedy anymore. We generally like comedy shows to have no laugh tracks because they're horrible. And we don't like to have these ridiculous setups. We just like funny things to be inherently funny and a bit more dry humor, almost British humor at this at this point, I think, for most for most people. I need to take this moment to say that the Big Bang Theory was never funny and it's horrible. And if you listen to those laugh tracks, bro, facts. Oh my God. Oh my God. My my roommate likes to watch it and I just am in the kitchen cooking and I'm like, nothing was funny. Why did they have a laugh track here? I'm going to be honest and give you just another confession about my life. I may not have ever laughed out loud at the Big Bang Theory, but I did enjoy watching it. See, I had trouble. I enjoyed it as mindless entertainment at the time. Later on, hated it for just painting all nerds and geeks and intelligent people into one corner. And then now I'm rewatching it. And I also think it's funny at this point. But it's, you know, comedy, maybe it's like fashion. It comes back around or something. It's cyclical in nature. But I, I feel like it's it's hit a, a certain point, this movie, to where, like, you know it's stupid. You know the things they're saying aren't, like, really clever and, and intelligent. But it just makes you chuckle out loud. And, and that's effective in comedy. I wouldn't rate it out of 10 because I don't know what I would give it. That's just too hard of a choice to make. There's only 10 choices. You have a 10% chance of well, getting what you feel right. 
we could apparently put decimals <laughs> in there. So no, I rounded up. Okay, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to rate it because I, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression because there's a lot of a lot of comedies that could rate the same, but one might actually I don't know. So I'm just going to say it's pretty funny. What are you like? I think this movie was very funny and not scary at all. And that was a little bummer. I kind of wanted a horror movie. We didn't get very much at all. It was full spoof. But I feel like for the time, that had to be very original. Chris, you mentioned earlier that this was like the first horror comedy parody. And for a first attempt at something like this, they did a really good job. This had never been done before. Right. Not only to just parody slashers, but to do that also at a time of a writer's strike, which is how this movie even got made. Like studios were just trying to to write movies that weren't associated with the Writers Guild of America. If the phrase shoot your shot was a movie, it'd be this. Yeah, that's why I like it. Just do your best. Put something out there, you know? It's interesting that we kind of have to compare it to Scary Movie, and, and I actually think this is funnier than than Scary Movie. And at the time, I thought Scary Movie was hilarious when it came out, but now that I've now that I've watched both, I think it's pretty clear that Scary Movie is kind of trash, especially Absolutely. in comparison. Yes. Here's the thing: there's a, there's a comment about this is more Scary Movie adjacent than Scream adjacent. I dare say it's the opposite because Scary Movie is. A comedy, and again, I haven't seen it, right? But this is the impression that I've gotten. It's a comedy that infuses really funny jokes and situational humor inside like a horror movie setting. And it's more of a comedy than anything else. Whereas this is more along the lines of like scream level meta. Let's dig into horror as a genre. Let's dig into slashers as a subgenre and identify all the common tropes and turn them on their head. Yes and no. I can see both sides. Basically, this has nothing to do with Scream or a scary movie. It's just all we can compare it to. I think it's interesting to kind of score this on originality because we know that it's going to play off of horror tropes. Like that's the whole point of the of the film. And the ending, I don't want to give anything away yet, but the ending does that uh, very heavy handedly. And thank goodness it plays on a trope that is not really common in most of our TV and, and film anymore. But I was not a fan of that ending. It just didn't work for me. Thank God we don't get a lot of those because I always just feel robbed without giving too much away. I liked it because it put me on my head, but also disappointed because I have my own set of expectations. Yeah, this movie does something that I hate so much, and it is what it is. I mean, I have feelings about this movie, and then the ending is so bad. I did not like the ending. I didn't like any of it. I didn't like what happened and what didn't happen, and then what happened, none of it. The whole end bit was not it for me. Yeah, I actually don't hate the thing that you all are referring to that they did in the end, but for me, it was the the density of like jokes per minute, it really plummeted in the third act. And then it just kind of like started to try to be a little bit of a horror movie. And I was like, no, I don't want this from you. We didn't ask for this. We liked what you were doing before. Keep that up. And then it didn't really come back, to be honest. I agree. This movie certainly loses steam at a certain point. And while I would agree with the majority of you about the tactic that is used, I actually like its use case in this singular moment because it justifies the rest of the movie and some things that don't line up and some things that don't make sense. It reframes the dialogue perfectly. And while I would have been fine had it not done that, I actually appreciate that it does. It makes logical sense and whimsical sense too. It's, it's very strange. But then I have a question. The thing that they did at the end that everybody hates, did they not completely back out of that for the end end and pretend that that didn't happen. So I think the the what the way they do it so they're basically they're they're playing on a trope from cinema at the time, not just horror movies that a lot of people also hated at the time, right? And I think it it works because they're making fun of it because it deserves to be made fun of. So it it does some stuff with the plot and then the things it does, you're supposed to know that it doesn't matter. And that's the point. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, that's what I gathered too. Well, feelings on the ending aside, we'll see how these things all shake out. But before we even get there, this film is called Student Bodies. But Alexis, how many bodies were there? We got some student bodies and we got some other bodies. And in total, there are 16 bodies. Ooh. Ooh. That's a lot of bodies. But what about the animal report? So this movie 
doesn't have a clean animal report according to itself, you know, so beware or don't. Maybe everything's fine. You'll have to watch to find out. Well, we'll revisit that in the spoiler section for sure. But let's go ahead and get into those ratings. Student Bodies from 1981. Is it a hack or a slash? So I'm ashamed I haven't seen this movie before. I haven't even heard of it until now. I'm obsessed with the dry humor. I love dry humor. I'm just a fan of how clever it is. I do like sex humor. I do like a little bit of potty humor and the dry humor. So it's all intertwined, which is great for me. But I also think it's clever. And I'm not bored while watching this. I'm super intrigued. And I haven't seen a movie that's done that that's kind of been topsy-turvy and very silly. And I will appreciate that about a movie. There's nothing to say too much. I know we'll talk about in the spoilers, but about characters. like To me, it's not deep enough to go into that sort of reflection on this movie. But with that said, it gets a slash. It doesn't need any of those elements in a movie to give it a slash. You know, Alexis, I have to agree with most of that. So earlier, I kind of mentioned that I wish this was like some kind of a mini series or something, because one of my biggest issues with it is that I didn't care about what was going on. Like, there's a story here, but it didn't mean anything to me. I was literally just here for the jokes. And at one point I was like, okay, well, it's going on too long and you've hit me with so many jokes that I'm almost like, I'm numb to them. Like, I need a little bit of a break, but also I don't care. So don't give me a break. You know, it's a very weird thing that happens here. I think short episodes of this movie would be excellent. However, it's not like it has a super long runtime. It's not that bad. Most importantly, the comedy is so good for me. It does what I need. Clever is the perfect word. This comedy is one that I align with in most ways. The potty humor could go, but you know, it's a movie. There's always potty humor. For some reason, they think it's funny. I don't know. I didn't love every character. I didn't care about most things. But this movie made me giggle within the first five seconds. Now, does it kind of go downhill from there? Kind of. It peaks immediately. But it's such a good peak. It's such a high peak that it takes a long time to get down the hill. Long enough that it's still a slash for me. This is the only horror comedy I have ever enjoyed. Even like silly horror movie I've ever enjoyed. And it's so good. I'm really excited that we got to watch it. I am very happy to hear that you both enjoyed the comedy in this because I really did too. It finds itself at the intersection of like so stupid, but so smart at the same time. And that's really my bag. The characters, yeah, didn't matter at all. The story barely was put together. But I think this movie really shines in its one-liners and in its writing. Until the third act, that's when it really peters off and kind of doesn't keep it up. It doesn't keep up the pace with which it was making me laugh before. I think there's a couple like punctuation marks in there that kept me from totally checking out. But I think ultimately, this is a very funny movie that I've already recommended to two people. So I don't think I can justify hacking it, even though I can't recommend it as a horror movie. I can recommend it as a comedy for those who love horror movies. So it's a slash. I just like to point out that you literally just watched this movie and you've already recommended it to two people. That's so great. Yeah, like while watching it, I was texting people like, oh, have you seen this? Because if you haven't, it's a must watch. I'm so happy to hear that because this movie had all the Paris vibes in it. Yeah, apparently so. That's what was texted to me. They were like, Paris, you need to watch this. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I did need to watch this. Thank you. I appreciate all of you for knowing me well enough to say that this is a must-see for me. (laughs) I guess I will join on the train here and say this is a slash. It's not a perfect movie in, in any way. I have some troubles with it, mostly just literally looking at it, not watching the movie. I don't have an issue making it from start to finish. I have an issue just looking at it. It's kind of ugly to look at. And I think that just has to do with production quality and aging. That's pretty much why I had some trouble. It's just, it's just not pretty to look at. And you could look at, you know, newer movies like scary movie and say like, Oh, like that looks good, but also how, how long was there in between? So it's not really a fair comparison. I think if you like, slashers and you like airplane you're gonna like this movie and i don't even know if everyone here really likes airplane that much but still this movie works the one-liners are really the thing that sets this movie apart from other 
horror comedies because it's all about them. It's honestly all about just like throwing them at you left and right. It's all about the silliness. The kills are extremely ridiculous and very silly. And I think the fact that it's not too bloody kind of helps with that because it's not about the gore. It's not about the crazy kills, just like it was for most horror movies back in, in late 70s, early 80, 81, 82. So I think it works as a total package. There's obviously some jokes that don't play well in 2021, and and that's okay. We have to put it in its historical place, but I think it's I think it's worth a watch for most people. So it's a slash. I also feel like if you liked this movie, you probably would like Airplane. Oh, totally agreed. Well, what's fascinating here, and what I think it might be unprecedented, is that for two weeks in a row we have Universal slashes. <gasps> it's amazing. I know. This movie was such a gem when I first saw it and completely caught me by surprise. And look, I'm the slasher enthusiast. I'm not going to not be enthused by this movie. When you can manage to put together Halloween, Friday the 13th, Carnival of Souls, Black Christmas, Carrie, Sybil, like literally every movie under the sun into one 90 minute runtime with either very overt references or tiny little nods of acknowledgement. I'm going to love it every single time. But what I think this movie does best is that even though it's totally making fun of the genre, it also feels a little bit like a love letter. And the comedy, the quotes and the dialogue in particular, it's a home run every time for me. So yeah, it's it's not perfect. There's a lot of things that are wrong with this movie. There are two things in particular that I have on my hack list in terms of like negative hits to the movie. But it deserves a slash. What's surprisingly, though, is that it's a universal slash. Folks, if you haven't seen this movie yet, you can catch it streaming online for free on either Pluto or Tubi. But check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can unpack the chuckles together. See you in a bit. Are you a heavy breather like me? Do people think you're a creeper just because you're breathing behind them? Put away that eggplant and slap on a breathe light strip. Go from gross guy in the bushes to a well-spoken prom king. Instead of secretly hiding in the girls' locker room watching them change, barge in with confidence. Breathe light strips take you from heavy breath to getting hot and heavy with some girl named Beth. Breathe light. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for the 1981 film Student Bodies, which has earned, surprise, surprise, a universal slash. Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings and what we loved most about this comedy, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Good luck, Alexis. What's the gore score for this movie? Thank you. I will give credit to the movie. I appreciate them helping me with the body count this week. <laughs> it's also wrong, though. It's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. And then every all the sources that I usually go to for help, also wrong. Yeah, be careful when the movie tells you how many people died in it. Back to gore. There's none in here. There is a slight stain on a bookend that I will give to this. Hard to say what the stain is necessarily. Yes, it's Clearly. red. Wait, what kind of bookend was it? I think it was a horsehead bookend. Uh, it might have been a horsehead bookend. <laughs> oh, right, a horsehead bookend. One of man's greatest gifts, honestly. But yes, there's awesome and creative deaths in this movie that I'm happy to talk about. So I want to say Dagmar's is my favorite because simply eggplant emoji. <laughs> of course. It feels so ahead of its time, really. Yeah. Okay, that's a really interesting choice of favorite kill, and I respect it. I do want to know what it was that the eggplant did to vanquish Dagmar. Same. Mine is actually the very first kill of the film, which is Julie. And I love this kill because it's also very reminiscent of Black Christmas, specifically Barb's death, where you have like these shots of just like the unicorn against like the black room. And it's absolutely stunning in Black Christmas, hilarious in this movie. And then just the reveal that it's all these little paper clips walks up with a single paper clip that just multiplies, I guess. It's nonsensical and it's hilarious. And also, since when does paperclip acupuncture kill people? You know? This movie made no sense, and so did the deaths. Because it was all a dream. Yeah, like the eggplant that had no damage, no blood, just a chill eggplant after it was used to kill somebody. Just like, all right, we'll, we'll just have some 
Parmesan for dinner, I guess. What if she had an allergy? Uh, whatever it is, it still doesn't make sense. That's what I assumed. It is a deadly nightshade. That's what you assumed? When they used an eggplant as a weapon, you assumed allergies? Listen, there's an episode of Law & Order SVU where they murder a man by sodomizing him with a banana because he was allergic to bananas. Oh my god, SVU has gone too far. So yes, that is exactly what I assumed. <laughs> so my favorite kill is Bertha. And it is truly just because that is when we're introduced to the ridiculous horsehead bookends and the way that she's forced to be posed and everyone comes to look at her through the through the door. Just legs wide open. Thankfully, she was clothed. It was very fortunate for her because I didn't think things were going to go that way. And she just had the most ridiculous cross-eyed look and, you know, we don't get much in most of these kills, but that's the one that was my favorite. For some reason, that kill gave me vibes of that horrific moment in The Exorcist where demon-possessed Reagan uses a crucifix to hurt herself in a very specific place, and I couldn't get that out of my head. It do feel like that. What I love about that kill is, like, the setup to it was so ridiculous. When he's running off, you know, he's like, don't start without me. And he gets back, and she's got that look on her face. And I don't I don't know if he says, oh, she started without me, or if you, you finished without me, or something like that. But it was just like a, like, following that thread from start to finish was, was so silly, which made it satisfying. I really wish every single kill had had the hold on, I got to go get a condom. Like we had like three of them, but there's, it, there's just, I just, there was a little bit more that could have been done there that I wanted because it was ridiculous every time. Also diaphragms, LOL, 1980s. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is that? Have you never seen the episode of Seinfeld? Never mind, you haven't. I do not watch that show. I do not watch Friends. I do not watch Big Bang Theory. Don't the whitest show I watch is Sex and the City. Please don't compare Seinfeld with Friends and yeah. Big Bang Theory. Don't. But okay. there's a whole entire episode about Elaine trying to track down the diaphragms. Never mind. It's a whole thing. It's a form of birth control that women used to use that no one ever uses. I did enjoy how pro condom this movie was. Like nobody was even thinking about it. They was like, no, we need a condom. And we will use it as a plot device multiple times. My favorite kill had to be Principal Peters for a few reasons. One, I was starting to get bored during that whole scene. And that death was really quick. We got to see it. And it brought me back because it was funny. <laughs> you make such a good point, though, because that is... I was wondering when your moment of, like, boredom came. And yeah, right before he killed, I was just like, eh, okay. And then he gets that little stab. And I was like, all right, I'll take that. Yeah, his monologue was just boring. And the tattoo he had, I was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. My favorite kill was kind of ridiculous. And that's the eraser in the mouth. I mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, how does that... Again, are they suffocating on it? It's just weird, but... You're choking on chalk. Choking on chalk. I think what, <laughs> what really polished it off for me, though, was the boyfriend <laughs> afterwards making a cocaine reference. Yes, it was so funny. They cut it with chalk. And that's what sealed the deal for me was he walked... He was like, oh, there's like all this white pattern. It looks like it was cut with chalk. That's just so, like, so great, so perfect, so 80s. So that really made that, like, the best like stand out for me. I like the variety that we have going on. And I think the film does a great job at giving you all these dynamic and using different props, which I appreciate. My favorite prop, though, that goes into my favorite visual is going to be, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if it was drool or jizz coming out of the phone, but um, fan of both. <laughs> big fan, big fan. I think we can all agree that that was a little bit too white and cloudy and creamy to be spit. Yeah, it was gross. So gross. So with that really disgusting phone situation, at the same time, my favorite visual element was being introduced, and that is the titles on screen. Okay. Yes. Ryan, that was mine too. Uh, because we're soulmates. That's, that's what it is. Honestly, so funny. Like I said, from the very first moment, like this movie's starting out and I'm you know, just not prepared for what a horror comedy is going to give to me. And then we get the first scene, Halloween, and then Friday the 13th. And I'm like, oh gosh, are they just making jokes? And then they go, Jamie Lee Curtis's birthday. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great. And I kind of already said this one, but my favorite one of all of them is the camera shot on the lock. And then they're like, it's unlocked, unlocked. And then the arrow pointing at it. And I was just like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for making it clear that you're making a very obvious over the top point, but it's still funny. It's not hitting me in the head. It's just making me laugh. And that is the moment that I giggled 
and I knew it was going, things were going well. I love that because the title cards in this movie feel like punctuation to the comedy that underscores all of it, right? And there's even that moment where Toby gets knocked out under the bleachers and it says, unconscious, not dead. Very important plot point. And even the opening title card, it's not as funny, right, as the rest that we get, but it's inspired by a true event. And that gives you kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. And then it's like, all these movies were released and none of them lost money. It's actually based on a true event. I absolutely love that, Ryan. I think without the title cards, this movie doesn't work. Agreed. There were definitely a lot of jokes to be had within just the title cards. So that definitely helped to add to the density of humor throughout. But my favorite visual had to be the blatant, over-the-top product placement that was ever present in every shot at first when i saw the dr pepper can on the table in the opening scene i was like well that's clearly a dr pepper can and then they kept it in every shot like no matter what angle you could see her in the can was also in the frame and i was like oh this is funny they're they're doing that on purpose and then she opens the fridge and you see like the kfc the dr pepper and all everything's like label out you can see every product i was dying and then the dr pepper truly one of my favorite beverages Everybody in this movie had some piece of merch, including Barry, the boy queen candidate. He had a shirt that said, I'm a pepper. And I was like, do I need to buy that shirt? And then I I looked it up for a while and I was like, I'm probably going to buy that shirt. I love that. When they opened the fridge, I was like, oh my gosh, the Duncan. First off, Duncan never changed their logo. Blows my mind. It's the exact same (laughs) logo. But I loved it so much. It was so good. I didn't have a ton of favorite visual elements. I just didn't really like the way the movie looked, but I did appreciate the genre correct first person killer cam that we got. I feel like that was a, a, a master stroke, honestly. Absolutely. It introduces you to that POV that was popularized in 1978 with Halloween, but 1974's Black Christmas started out with the same thing. And it was more similar to that with the heavy breathing. I fucking loved it so much that was just a moment of pure joy for me and actually that shot introduces us to what i think is the best scene in the whole movie and it's honestly the entire opening It is from the point that the movie appears with that title card and that house at night and then wraps up with the parents finding these two dead bodies in their bedroom the ringing calls the phone that rings endlessly the meowing dog was very weird but also hilarious the music that plays to score the moment. And then when she picks up the phone, it continues to play. (laughs) It's just so good. And of course, we get introduced to the breather and he's fucking hilarious. One of the funniest scenes in a movie that I've ever seen. I have one small change about that first scene. Because I agree with you, Chris. You're so right. But the things I would have done for this killer to walk into these people's house and water their plants. I don't know why. The first time we get the first person killer, he's walking up to the living room like, dang, dude, please go water that plant. It would be so funny. They need me on for the next one, you know, 80 years later. Absolutely. And then, you know, you have the parents coming home. They're ranting and raving about admission prices and popcorn and shit talking horror movies. Because again, this is the day that slashers are popular and they just want to go watch the Dukes of Hazard. And of course, you have the mom, you know, ranting, what's going on in my house for 75 cents an hour? Completely unbothered by death, right? That is where she draws the line. Just who leaves the TV on? Ah, it's, it's so good. That mom is a Capricorn. Also, there's no way all those dishes came from that girl. Okay. Those were their dishes. They're nasty people. They left them. But she didn't wash them. How rude. I love that later on at the funeral or wherever they were, the celebration, I guess you could call it, when she's talking to the babysitter's mother and she's like, I want you to have, you know, the money we we promised, 65 cents an hour. (laughs) And transportation. What a great joke. One way. Yeah. (laughs) Julie was at my house when she got it. I have two favorite scenes. One personal experience to the other one is going to be for the actual scene, which is the fuck you segment you get for the rating. But yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Second favorite scene, Dr. Sigmund, a.k.a. Daddy. I hope this isn't the personal experience one. It is. So when he's handing her Toby the empty tissue box, I thought it was hilarious because she just is wiping on the edge 
personal experience, I have ran out of toilet paper and used the carton not to wipe my butt, but to wipe the front. So that's the only thing I could think about when she was wiping her tears with the cardboard. I don't know if that's better. (laughs) And I wish I could say that it was something... I did when I was a kid, but it was very recent. <laughs> Every girl has done this, but you're really not supposed to tell people. Oh, okay. I thought I would be the only person. I am so freaking glad other people have done this. Boys have probably done it to their butt, but you're not supposed to talk about it. We've all been in dire situations, okay? <laughs> I cannot confirm that. Proper planning. That's all I'm going to say. Didn't deny it. But that reminds me of my favorite scene. Actually, it has nothing to do with my favorite scene, but my favorite scene was the shop teacher scene. I don't know why, but his like little monologue in the beginning was kind of hilarious how seriously the shop teacher like takes himself because I feel like that's such a shop teacher thing to do. And the obsession with the horse head bookends was, you know, sometimes comedy is great when it's just like a repetitive thing. Not everything repetitive is funny, though, but this one was funny because it was just so ridiculous that I loved it. It was so obscure, and it had that little brief cameo before with the kill. And then when you get to him, he's just like off his rocker about some horse head bookends, and it's so funny. I'm going to be honest. You saying that just made me remember how much of an asshole my shop teacher was. But now I can understand because they're responsible for a bunch of idiot kids around dangerous equipment. That's a stressful job. Absolutely true. And also, I need to say two more things about the shop teacher in this movie. One, there's a moment where he's cutting his hair. And (laughs) if you don't know what he's doing, it wouldn't mean anything to you. But he's using a wood planer, which is like you can scrape to get a very straight piece of wood or you can dig in or whatever if you want to. But to use that on your head for a flat top haircut is absolutely hilarious. And also I would argue that he used a scroll saw when he was like making love to a horse head bookend in this movie. And it's inappropriate to cut the wood of this thickness with a scroll saw. But what do I know? I'm not a shop teacher. These are the hot takes I was here for, Ryan. Well, with that being said, I have three small things that I want to mention for favorite scene, because I'll be honest, there's no scene in this movie that like takes your breath away. Okay. So obviously this is a comedy, so they're going to be joke related. Mm -hmm. So my first and favorite one is the little killer monologue that we get for a second while he's walking down the hallway. And he's talking about his boots and like the girl running. And he's like, it's the galoshes. Why do I wear them? It isn't even raining. And I love that so much. We get a little bit of those. Those are hilarious. I enjoyed those a lot in this movie. My second one is during the principal's horrific monologue that I hated the most when he says, all these years I've been secretly naked underneath my clothes and nobody's noticed is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Absolutely just to die for. And lastly, which is only like comedy adjacent, the football game in this movie is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Not all the like antics on the side, but everything going on in the field. At one point, one of the players just scoops up one of the small kids like he's about to (laughs) walk through the door when they're getting married. And then at the very end of the game, we get the little kid and he's like, you know, shucking and jive and messing around and then scoots right past him. That was one of the better parts of this movie that isn't just straight up like jokes. My favorite scene is definitely the opening scene, just like Chris. But I also really enjoyed the funeral that followed immediately after because it's very densely packed with jokes. We're being introduced to like the ensemble, the cast. We're getting to know them through these quippy one-liners. But in the background, you have the principal giving this absolutely terrible speech that's hilarious to listen to as well. I feel like I'd have to rewatch that scene so I can get all of it. But at one point, he's talking about... You know, we have so many big events, the big dance, the big game, the big panty raid, and now the big funeral. Why did we have to have so many big events on the same day? Something about the budget. And I was just cracking up. All of the like announcements in this movie are hilarious. And if you, you could miss them because they're usually put into the background. Yeah. But if you pay attention, oh my gosh, they're so funny. It was the big panty raid that got me. Honestly, worth watching with captions. And I love that the big day carries on to the dance or like the prom scene where you have all these signs in the background about like the big deal. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that. My favorite was big poker game. Because it always seems like that in these movies. Like it all falls on the same damn day, like the prom and the big game. And that's why this is so good. 
It's so on the nose, but not in an annoying way. With all that being said, I didn't care about a single character in this movie ever, except that Toby was hot when she had the balloons. Okay. Toby looks like Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, she does. Totally. Toby also looks like Linda Blair with her Sandy from Greece makeover. It was very Sandy from Greece. Yeah. Okay. So that's something that I'm surprised that I missed the first time around because I remember when I first watched the thing, oh, she looks like Sandy from Greece, but I didn't hear that whole point where he described the fact that they had a non-musical version of Greece because they couldn't afford the rights to the music. <laughs> I also missed that. It's fucking hilarious and explains why she's dressed exactly like Sandy with a blonde wig that somehow turns gray at one point. I love the characters in this. They aren't that deep, but I don't think they're meant to be. And it seems like everything that they're saying, every joke, every one-liner, just everything is coming out with intent, which I appreciate. It doesn't seem like it's trying too hard or they're saying it in such a tone that seems fake. I don't It just seemed very natural to me. With that said... I think the villain is my favorite. I know we probably don't talk about like our favorite character, but I just think he was a very relatable villain. You know, he's running after something and at least finally someone says, man, I shouldn't have picked the jogger or I picked the jogger or stepping in the bubble gum, you know, and then he's saying he can't get a break. And I just love that. He's just relatable. Yeah, I could have. I could have done without the masturbating in the back of the locker room. I feel like we really could have clicked right over that, you know? It didn't do anything for me. The one minute man? Yeah, but otherwise, he's so good. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand who that is supposed to even be. Like, is that supposed to be the boy from the end in the whole rest of the movie? Well, it's a dream, right? So, like, that never really happened. Right, but, like, someone kills her. So, I don't know. Maybe her dreams, oh, she's just funny like us. Her dreams are funny. Got it. Yeah, that that's it. Like that's not, it's all illogical because literally every character is present when the killer is making a phone call. So it couldn't be, but then the dream tries to explain that it's Mr. Peters and his mom and then it actually is the boyfriend killing her and then she kills him as a zombie. It's weird, right? It's nonsensical. She woke up into a real horror movie. Got it. You know, really she thought that sex was going to kill her, but it gave her the power of immortality. As it does. That's real life. <laughs> that is real life. Heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about the characters, though, because is I think the real quality of them is measured by the delivery of that dialogue, right? And I'm sure we could all go rapid fire, like, back and forth about what our favorite quotes were, but this movie is just packed. And I think they were as silly as they needed to be. No one in here was a particularly great talent, right? They just came in, got the job done, the comedian timing was there, and they went home. I think it's still pretty awesome, though, that Detective Munch plays the the breather, the killer voice that we get. Really? Yeah, absolutely. From SBU? Yeah, he plays the, he plays the, the breather, at least, the voice. But we never see killer. him. We never see him. You know, when I, when I turned the movie on, I started to write down quotes. Um, I've got my iPad in my hand. I've got the pencil ready. And I realized... There was no way I could keep up with it because there was just so many quotable moments from the movie. But I wish, I honestly wish I had found a copy of the script and just highlighted it because there are some amazing one-liners in there. We'll drop a copy of the script in the show notes, but I got several favorites. One of mine was, Judy, you're not responding to my maleness. (laughs) Which, what does that even mean? Exactly. That's the point. Okay. I was like, is he like pressing his ween against her and she's unresponsive? They're like making a joke about men. As they should. I personally loved, I'll get it. I'm farthest from the phone. That makes sense. She was so funny answering the phone. I loved all those little bits. For me, I have while the killer is chasing the jogger. He When he's like saying, why did I pick her? He says, I hope I don't die first. <laughs> so relatable to me personally is the gentleman at the funeral and he's saying i can't stop thinking about sex and then later goes on and funerals make me hot (laughs) i love the phone calls of just the interactions on the phone and and the way that they go to end it and he goes click and she says did you hang up and he goes no i just said click and like just (laughs) 
utter brilliance. Like that was fantastic. And she gets him back to later on in the movie. <laughs> Got him. And like, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was the same one or the, or the second call where she says, you know, what makes your voice sound so funny? And he's like, I'm disguising it, you know, by talking through a rubber chicken. And she says, I, I thought it sounded like you were speaking through a rubber chicken. <laughs> Just that whole interaction was amazing. Which is particularly funny because I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a person on YouTube that re make songs just using a rubber chicken Mm -hmm. to completely make the song and it's ridiculous but also that's what it made me think of i've heard of the havana cover i got a few more really but one of mine is the cheerleaders saying oh yeah give me a boo give me a who give me a boo who who (laughs) death i thought they said be sad (laughs) the subtitle said beat death (laughs) Uh, one that may have flown under the radar but also got me good is in the woodshop class when he goes over to toby and he's like what do we have here, miss? Shouldn't be in the class anyway. So funny. And also, I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Just that casual 80s misogyny from a tech ed teacher. Yep. Paris, I totally thought of you and Patty's line when she's talking about taking the cyanide and she was like, death before disfigurement. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. My bets for opening quote, I had text Mac and Ryan separately was the one that you picked, Great Physical Beauty Can Be a Handicap too, and then immediately after, Cyanide Capsules, Death Before Disfigurement. Oh, really? It was a 50-50 toss-up. No, my second runner, or my first runner-up was, Homosexuality is the up-and-coming thing. Oh, of course. I thought that would be like a th- fourth that tops. <laughs> I thought maybe the third one would have been, I want to slash my face. If I can't be the most beautiful girl in the school, I want to be the ugliest. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, wasn't pretty, but sure. I have a little one, which is, again, at the football game. And the referee throws it and says, call it in the air. And the guy just goes, mine, and takes it and walks away. And it was so (laughs) tiny, but so hilarious. See, I missed that. Oh, so good. I loved when Toby threw her parents under the bus. And, you know, she gets the question, what does your mother tell you about sex? And she says that it was a horrible, filthy, disgusting thing, but only with my father. With everyone else, she said it was wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Man, I had another one where uh, it was a nurse crud at the ambulance saying, like, no students can leave the school grounds without the proper paperwork. And they're like, but they're dead. She says... If we make an exception for the dead, we have to make an exception for everyone. <laughs> Which is so high school nurse, okay? Oh, yeah, for sure. So high school nurse. Honestly, if I'm ever faced at, with a situation at work where I need to make an exception, that's going to be my quote. <laughs> if we start making exceptions for the dead, we have to make exceptions for everyone. And now if you didn't feel like watching that movie, you've seen it. <laughs> yes, but it's much funnier in real life. Paris, I hope you appreciated the moment where the old lady at the end says, Hold still while I kill you. I'm an old woman with arthritis. <laughs> I absolutely did. That felt like your energy. Just the opening scene is is so chock full. You could just go watch that right now and 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 just really laugh. I mean, when the boyfriend starts making out with the babysitter, she goes, "Not here, not now." And he says, "Where? When?" She goes, "Upstairs." Ten seconds, and they both run off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he says you can't wash her bees away. Yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. There's too <laughs> <What> many. <is? laughs> it's so dense. Also, this man, sorry, this isn't a quote, but I just have to talk about this because it really bothered me. This man gets out the shower, is still soaking wet, dripping wet, starts blow drying his hair, dries it exactly 0%, so it's still soaking wet, and then just pours powder on his body while he's still soaking wet, which means it's like a paste now, and he's just gross. I hate it so much. Ugh. That actually reminded me of Jack Frost when that woman whose name I think is Elizabeth like goes into those strangers home and like showers and uses their blow dryer for way too long. Yeah. But at least her hair was dry in the end. True. Cause she knew how to use it. Well, while all those quotes were truly some of the best parts of the movie, the worst part of this movie is Malver the janitor. Really? It's horrible for me. The worst. Mm, I could see that. He's generally regarded as one of the best things about the movie by not us here. I would say he had a redeeming arc where I enjoyed him more toward the end, like prom scene, but I didn't like, I guess I just didn't like some of the things he was doing. So I didn't like the way this movie portrayed him being the janitor, like making him seem less than, you know, I just didn't, I don't like that. I didn't like him peeing in a can. I don't know. But after like the prom and when he's helping Toby and stuff like that, when he has cheese between his legs, that's a particularly lovely moment when he said, <laughs> she says, did you get the keys? And he hands her cheese. And she said, cheese, not keys, not cheese. It was great. 
His arms were so long. So long. <laughs> it's really sad. He's played by a guy who just went by the name The Stick. And he actually died really young, so he only had a, a couple bit rolls. Oh my gosh. It's because he had debilitating Marfans. It's not a long life expectancy for people with that, unfortunately. Yeah, I believe it. Well, I'm glad he got to do something, but I do wish his character was different in some parts of this. I know we talked about whether we loved or hated the potty humor, but I think it just set the wrong tone for me when you see the dog the dog is meowing then <laughs> then it farts and i was like what the absolute hell am i watching right now i was like this is like utter chaos and very stupid but how did you feel about the dog driving the car with the blind man that was awesome that whole setup was awesome and i was like i cannot believe i am laughing about people with disabilities but unfortunately i am for me that the when he tells him that he got him 50 yard line seats that was really the one how would you feel about knowing that the blind man was credited as his character being named Charles Ray? <laughs> I feel like it's right on the nose for this movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, this might be unpopular, but for me, the worst part was the POV killer stuff and his dialogue. I felt like it was the least funny. The beginning, it was funny at first, but then the more we got into it, I was like, no, stop. I don't like the voice. I don't like the breathing. Also, it probably didn't help that I had headphones in Mm-mm. so that he was breathing in my ears. Yeah, I could have done less breathing out loud. But that was the thing. Yeah, but for me, that was just, that was the the low light were all of those parts. Paris, I'll jump in on that and say that the heavy breathing, just the audio of it was probably my least favorite part. So that was that was the worst part for me. The, the killer's dialogue I loved, though. Just the breathing, I think, was just a little bit too much, a little bit too loud. I can agree with that. The, the breathing was intense and uncomfortable. But I think the worst part of the movie for me was... Mwamba's death being forced into a trash bag and then just forgotten not a Mm -hmm. fan of that I felt real bad for him for the whole fucking movie and uh, it was actually one of the points where I just wasn't laughing at all and it bummed me out yeah that one wasn't nice it didn't leave a good taste in your mouth absolutely not you know apart from that I think looking at just the movie as a whole I would say that it has a lot of rewatch value I think watching this as an 18 year old and then again as a 31 year old like there are still things that I enjoyed and still things that I found from new perspective and I actually really want to watch it again maybe in a couple years to see what else I can dig up if I know I'm with somebody that's got a good sense of humor I'm totally down to rewatch this movie which is rare for me I like Paris did text two people after watching this movie and I said, you have to watch this and I will be the person to watch it with you. (laughs) So definitely a lot of rewatch value. Absolutely. This movie is so rapid fire with the great jokes that you can watch it again and hear things that you didn't hear the first time and laugh some more. I'll definitely be watching this again. I probably won't finish it ever again because the ending didn't really add anything for me, but the first two acts definitely worth rewatching. I got to be the contrarian here. I don't know that I'll ever watch this again. I think it was a good experience to, to have while I had it, but the, just the like audio quality and quality of the actual, you know, physical film, looking at it on screen was kind of hard for me. I think I'm just spoiled by, by new stuff. And there's also just endless new stuff to watch. So I think it was a great watch, but I doubt that I'll ever be able to squeeze it back in. Would you watch a 4K restoration? That would be amazing. I would definitely do that. If somebody can scan those those negatives in, the little film things, whatever you do. I don't know how film works, but if you can make that happen, I'm down. That's exactly how film works, Mac. You scan the negatives. I'm going to scan one last negative here. I actually forgot to mention how much I disliked that bit just before it started feeling like a fun house where she's like downstairs running into all the trash bags. Before that, like she's down the hall and just starts seeing random faculty members dressed up very oddly. Couldn't stand that one bit. No, that was dumb. Well, obviously, we've we've had a lot to say about this movie. And while it's one that you may not see get a lot of attention in terms of like documentaries or like deeply insightful articles articles about it we do have a bit in store for you that mac has whipped up with some fact or fiction number one colin chambers who plays the ridiculously named charles ray was so embarrassed by the film that he left acting and has since been in a successful career in academia fiction like you didn't know what you were signing up for i don't know this feels like fact i'm gonna say fiction because he felt vaguely familiar i i just want to point out real quick that danny lloyd from The Shining, grew up to be a teacher and never acted again. Just want to point that out. Yes, but 
it's the first part that I think is the fiction. I think it's the being embarrassed by it. Not that he didn't grow up to be a teacher, but maybe not embarrassed by this movie. Well, the whole thing's a fiction, just so you know. Um, he's been in several films and TV shows since this movie, but most of his work has been as a body double for actors. Um, actors like Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, and Forrest Whitaker. Number two, that clip of a man stating that they had to give a fuck you just to give the film an R rating really was added so that the film would get an R rating. Alexis, this is a test of your previous facts that you gave us here on this podcast. I'm pretty sure that's a fact. Yes, that's why. I believe in Alexis, so I'm going to say fact. I think that the principal kill might have been enough to give it an R, but my instincts say fact. Yeah, this is a fact. I mean, the film contains such little violence and profanity that it even fared better once it was on TV and they played it a bunch because they could because there's like basically nothing bad in it. Um, obviously, they just omitted that clip from it when they aired it on TV, though. But that clip was so funny. Right. It added something to it. Number three, the actors cast to play the visiting football team were also cast in other background roles in the film to save on budget. How would that save budget? Fiction. You'd still have to pay him, so... Right. Fiction. Yeah, but you could play him like a flat rate. Yeah, I'm going to say fact. Cool. This one's a fiction. They were actually a real football team that came from Port Arthur, Texas, and played in the state championship against the Odessa Permian Panthers, who would later be the subject of the book and film Friday Night Lights. Oh, very interesting. I like that. Two, three degrees of separation. I don't know how that works, but... Not as punny as I'd expect. I know. Not, you know, what can you do? And, of course, number four, our final one today, when the breather rings the babysitter at the beginning of the movie, you can see a phone number written on the phone that currently would get you a sports bar in Texas. Fact. I don't know. The last one had Texas involved, so fact. I think Mac looked it up. I'm going to say fact. This is a fact, but I didn't look it up. So, anything's possible in this day and age, but uh, last time this fact was checked, it was fact. We should call it now. Or you could call the hacker slash hotline. And that's been Fact or Fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. Student Bodies has racked up a universal slash. We've certainly had a lot to say about this movie here. I think we've really dug into the dialogue, but of course this movie is so rich and we want to know what you think about it and what your favorite quotes were. Now keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you, like us, have several favorite quotes from this movie, please reach out to our Hackerslash hotline. We'd love to hear it. Leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message. Or if you, like the killer, have trouble with heavy breathing, send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hackerslash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, you can't wash away herpes. Bye. Bye.